Hello and welcome to Journey Church North County. We appreciate you joining us through this podcast. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at journeynorthcounty.org. Thank you once again for joining us and enjoy the message. All right. Good morning. Welcome to Journey Church this morning. We're so glad that you guys have joined us. If you're new with us, welcome. Uh, We just celebrated last week our one-year anniversary here at Journey Church. So we are one year and one week old, officially. And as we're super excited about that. So if you're new with us or you just haven't heard our story before, here's what you should do is you should go onto either our Facebook page or our website and watch last week's service. We kind of walked you through our first year and what God's done and all those kind of things. And so we want you to know that story and kind of know why we're here and what we're doing. And so you can you can watch that on Facebook, you can watch that on our website, but we are officially a year old and we're so, we're pumped about what God did in year one. It's been pretty amazing. We are so excited about what's coming in year two. And so we're in the middle of a series called Church 2020, Church 2020. And what we're talking about is the church began in a, a book called Acts. It was after the Gospels and the New Testament. It was a book called Acts. The church began And since then, 2,000 years later, we've still been progressing and changing, but the message has always stayed the same, but our methods are a little bit different, and the church is a little bit different. So we're talking about, to understand the church now and why you're coming and why you get up in the morning and wake up your kids when they're really mad at you and and come early on Sunday morning, why do we do that every week? So we're walking through what that looks like in Church 2020. Now, I know there are probably so many of you that are like me. I want you to give me a woohoo if this is true of you, okay? You ready? How many of you love history? I knew that was going to happen. See, what happens is if you love history, you're not like the super excitable people generally, okay? So how many of you love documentaries? Okay, a few more, right? So... I really, you know, Netflix is okay to me, but I really like the documentaries. I really get into history and the documentaries and learning more about that kind of stuff. So if you follow any documentaries in the last year to two years, or maybe you've read the book, there's a book um, about this lady named Elizabeth Holmes. Have you heard of Elizabeth Holmes? So Elizabeth Holmes ran this company called Theranos. Okay, and Theranos was a company that uh, they were trying to revolutionize kind of how you got blood tested. They would take a drop of blood from your finger as opposed to you having to get blood taken through your veins, taking a large amount of blood. They would take just a little bit, and with that little bit of blood, what they said is they could put it into a machine, and over 100 different blood tests could be taken based on that one drop of blood, which sounds incredible. It sounds incredible because it was false. (laughs) That actually didn't exist. But for 10 years, she convinced investors, people, everyone else that they could do this. And she lied for 10 years, right? And she covered it up and people would go and check out her lab and she would hide what they were doing. So this was like super interesting to me. So I don't know if this is you, but for me, I love books. And so when I hear about something that's interesting to me, I immediately go out and buy the book. I love doing that. My wife hates it. She hates the fact that like I'm so impulsive that I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Let's go buy the book. She is like the library nerd, right? 
And so she loves like get check out everything from the library, which is a smart way to go. By the way, I realized the mistake I made because I love buying these books. Mistake I made is that our Amazon Prime account is linked. Which is not good because what happens is every time I make a purchase on Amazon, she gets this little notification, right? In fact, I was upstairs. I was like, oh, I got to get this. The book's called Bad Blood. I was like, I've got to get this book. I got to learn more about this story. And so, like, I heard about it. I watched the documentary. I immediately got on my phone, pulled up Amazon Prime, and I ordered Bad Blood. Put it in my order box, ordered it. Three seconds later, here from downstairs, Cody! She, like... <laughs> She like gets this notification that's like stop your husband, right? Like it's like it's, it goes every time. Every time I put anything in the box and order it, she's like, "Why did you order that book?" <laughs> she knows immediately. And then the second thing she does is she goes and looks online at the library. She's like, "You know, we could get this book at the library, and you could have it in two days, and it's free." Okay, so. She goes into my Amazon box, she cancels my order, <laughs> and then she gets the book from the library. So it's this book uh, about this blood testing device. It was going on for 10 years, and this company, Theranos, was known as what they call in Silicon Valley, a unicorn. A unicorn is a company that raises over a billion dollars. It has nothing to do with their earnings or what they bring in, only how much money they raise from VCs or investors, that kind of thing. And so this company, Theranos, there's not many companies that have done this, raised through multiple rounds a billion dollars from investors for something that doesn't work. And so they raised a billion dollars. There's this unicorn company. In fact, every major panel in Silicon Valley, this lady, Elizabeth Holmes, she's on the panel. She's speaking to people, especially because th there aren't many women leaders in Silicon Valley. So not only is she uh, leading the way as far as raising money in her technology, but she's also doing it as a woman, which was, was not very often in Silicon Valley. And so she did this. She raised all this money, and they found out that she was a fraud. And as soon as they found out, the SEC is coming after her. Like, they're shutting her down. People are trying to get their money back. And within a few months after they got rid of her as CEO, the whole company, this company that raised a billion dollars within months, was completely shut down. It was over. The whole company wrapped around this one woman, Elizabeth Holmes. The entire company, Theranos, was all about Elizabeth Holmes, so much so that when she was removed, there was nothing left. I, I feel like I, this week even, I was like, I was stressing out about some of our Easter stuff and some of our Good Fridays. We just got a lot of stuff going on right now. Sometimes in your life or your business or, or your family, when you put everything on your shoulders and then you fail, you feel like it's all going to go away. And you feel like you're, you're, you're nothing, that you're miserable. I felt that way before where, like, I've taken all the responsibilities and all the duties and all the tasks. I feel like it, it's, it's on me to pull something off. I feel like that in our church sometimes. Now, let me tell you, we have an awesome team of people at our church. And so it's not any of their faults. They all, we have a ton of people who work so hard on so many things in our church. And, but when I make it about me, when I make it about myself, and when I feel like if, if I'm removed, this thing's just going to fall apart, 
That was never what the church was intended to be. Our cornerstone, our foundation, everything we, we do is because Jesus is at the center of everything. But when we make it about us and we get stressed out, then we think if we, if we get pulled out of the equation, everything's going to fall apart. If that was true of the church, the church would have actually fallen apart many times over the last 2,000 years. It had plenty of opportunities to. The church was persecuted. People are getting killed. In fact, most of the rulers of the day are like, let's get rid of this thing. Even people who follow God, the Jewish people at the time, were like, this isn't the same thing we were doing. We're rule followers. We're not rule breakers. Get rid of this guy named Jesus and any follower after him as well. And somehow, 2,000 years later, we're sitting in this old theater building and we're doing the same kind of stuff that they did right after Jesus went up. So here's what we're doing. We're in this series called Church 2020. We're talking about the book of Acts. If you were with us at any point in the series, you heard me say that the book of Acts, the whole book, could have been renamed the book of, okay, what do we do now? Because that's exactly what happened. You read through the Gospels, and Jesus is walking with them. The disciples are learning more and more stuff. They're like, this is great. This is the promised Messiah that we heard about in the Scripture. This guy's going to be with us forever. And then he dies. And they're like, what happened? You see, when he died, no one knew no one remembered. Jesus kind of hinted at it, but they didn't realize that he was actually coming back. And three days later, they go to the tomb. The tomb's empty. And they're like, oh, he's gone. And then shortly after that, they, they, they see Jesus. And Jesus spends 40 days with them talking about nothing but the kingdom of heaven. This is what you do now. But then he goes away again. In fact, he goes away and says he's kind of lifted up to the sky and then he's gone. And you have a bunch of people staring up the sky like, okay, what do we do now? He was gone. I mean, he was here and he was gone. Then he was here again and now he's gone. Is he coming back three days later? Is this like a three-day cycle that we're going through? But he didn't come back. And so people are staring at the sky like, okay, what do we do now? What's next? And so that's what we're looking at is what's next? What happens after that? To fill you in a little bit is, so they're, they're staring up at the sky. They don't know exactly what to do. And then something called the Holy Spirit comes down with fire, and people are understanding people in different languages. It's crazy. In fact, in one day, thousands of people are, are brought into salvation. It's, it's crazy. They've never seen anything like it before. In fact, when Jesus dies, the temple uh, tears open. And it's, and it's to symbolize that, okay, that's gone. And now the Holy Spirit is here as to live inside your temple, your body. Everything's different now. Everything's changed. The Holy Spirit's here. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, but you are left with the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is now the thing that the church will use over the next 2,000 years. It's to be with the Holy Spirit. And so now we're, we're jumping into Acts 4. Here's the situation. You have a guy named Peter, who, by the way, Jesus said earlier on, I'm going to build my church on you, Peter. Your name's going to be Peter the Rock. But then also there's a guy named John. And Peter and John are going and they're, they're healing people. In fact, they heal this one guy. And all the Jewish people, they're called the Sanhedrin. See it as like the... the the, the major court of the day, right? The Supreme Court. This is what the Sanhedrin is. So the Sanhedrin are getting together and saying, we've got to kill this thing. 
This is not what we've been learning. In fact, when, when they memorized scriptures, when, when they knew the, the, the Jewish Pentateuch, when they knew all about the scriptures, that gave them power. Now, we've got to kill this whole thing, this whole Jesus followers, the way. We've got to get rid of it. But we have a problem. This guy just got healed, and everyone saw it. So what do we do? And so that's where they pick up in Acts chapter 4. These guys of Sanhedrin, they were, they were Sadducees. Maybe you've heard this before. There, there are two major Jewish groups. There's the Sadducees and there's the Pharisees, right? So the Pharisees are people who very much believe in the law, but they also believe in things like angels and demons, things like that. Then you have this other group on the other side called the Sadducees. They're like the super, super conservative people. Now, I grew up in a small Southern Baptist church. My dad was a pastor. And uh, when we grew up, we had certain people at our church that, like, if you were going to pass a note, you had to make sure they were not watching you, right? Like, people who, like, would, like, tap you on the knee or, like, give you a stern look if you were doing something you weren't supposed to in church, especially because I was the pastor's son, right? So I was expected, you, like, you sit up, you sit proper, you don't move around, you don't pass notes, you don't talk to people during church. So that's what I did. Except when my dad was boring. And now I want to talk to my friends, right? And so I would go and I would talk to my friends and I would have this one guy who would always like look at me like, you're the pastor's son, you don't do that. You got to set an example for everybody else. So I grew up and I became a youth pastor. I remember I was at a church as a youth pastor, and when you're the youth pastor of a church, do you know that means you're also the sports director of the kids' camp? I don't know if you knew that, but that's true, okay? So I was the youth pastor and the sports director of our kids' camp. So I was outside. I'm running all the sports programs. I have my hat on because it's sunny outside. Had some sunglasses on. I'm running the camp. Well, at the end of the camp, you if you've been to a kids' camp before or a VBS, you go back inside the church building. You have this, like, ending celebration, right? You're singing the songs. You're, you're dancing, all that kind of thing. So it was time to go from outside back inside. I made the fatal flaw of not taking my hat off when I went back inside. And so... Fortunately, I took my sunglasses off. That all hell would have broke loose maybe after that. But I took, I, I, I forgot to take my hat off, which I didn't even think about. I walked in the church. I'm just doing the thing with the kids and jumping around and all that kind of thing. I get an email that night from one of these guys, right? And he says, Cody, I need to let you know that everything I've taught my son about God, you undid in one evening. <laughs> That's a Sadducee, okay? That's, this is who we're talking about in the Bible. I was just thinking, man, I'm so glad I took my sunglasses off. They would have, like, kicked me out of the church right then. It would have been over. But I remember reading that email and being like, oh, man, this guy is, like, like it's just a, it's a mindset, right? Like, if you don't follow the rules, you can't be a Jesus follower. But you got to understand, the people who started this whole church thing, they were rule breakers, not rule followers, Everything was different when the Holy Spirit came. These Sadducees didn't want things to change. They wanted things to remain the same. In fact, I think they're called Sadducees because when you look at them, they're sad, you see. <clears throat> Thank you for laughing about that. Uh, 
So they're, 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 they're Sadducees and they're rule followers and these new guys are coming and they're breaking all the rules and there's this thing called the Holy Spirit that no one really understands yet, but there's fire that came down and people are getting healed and things are changing. And here's where we pick up. It's Acts chapter four, verse eight. If you're new with us, we, uh, we're partnered with the Bible app. So at any point you can open the Bible app and look for Journey Church and you can follow along with the notes. You can take your own notes on the Bible app, but we'll also have all the verses on the screen for you, or you can obviously open your Bible as well, and they'll be there. Verse 8, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, this new thing that no one understood, said to them, Rulers and elders of of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. So they're saying, listen, this is the guy. In fact, John the Baptist, if you look in the Old Testament, everyone was like a follower of John the Baptist. Like everyone wanted to see him and follow him and see what's going on. John the Baptist was a weird dude. He had a big beard. He was kind of crazy. But people loved to follow him. But then Jesus shows up. He's like, okay, okay, okay. Listen, I, I know that you guys love to follow me, but here's the new deal. That's the guy. And I'm not worthy to tie his shoes. That's the guy. But see, what happened is the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they loved the power that came with knowing the scriptures, with people coming to them. And so they didn't want to give that up. So they didn't want to admit that this guy, Jesus, is the guy. And so what John and Peter are saying is, you're rejecting this guy, but, but this guy who came, this Jesus, he's the cornerstone. He's everything. He... All these scriptures that you memorize, it all points to this, to this moment, to this thing, to this person. After Jesus, everything is different. And so Jesus is the chief cornerstone. If you've heard me speak before, you've heard me say that when you come in here, we want you to have an encounter with God. We want you to be talking to God. Even if you don't really hear exactly what I'm saying, I care a lot less about that and care a lot more about you having a conversation with God because Jesus is the cornerstone of everything we've built here, of the church. I told you earlier, I was feeling stressed out a little bit this week. I was thinking about all the stuff we had going on. We just came back. Some of our, our leadership team just came back from a conference, and uh, which was awesome, but then it put me behind on some stuff. And I'm literally thinking about this. I actually texted a friend that as well. And at the same time, I'm looking over my notes for the message today. And I'm like, you're not the cornerstone of this. You don't hold this together. This isn't about you. This is all about Jesus. And it has been ever since this moment. Here's the truth is that if you're responsible for holding everything together, eventually it's going to fall apart. So if you come here this morning, we call it Journey Church because we say that no matter where you are on your journey, we'll meet you in that spot. But the truth is, we can only say that because Jesus meets us exactly where we're at. But if you come in and and you're like, okay, I got to make sure that I'm in charge of our finances and our, our family and my job, 
I'm responsible to make sure everything's okay, and I just can't take the stress anymore. It's because you've made yourself the cornerstone. Here's an easy test for that is when you get stressed out and when things go bad, what's the first thing you do? If you immediately spring into action, that's me. If you immediately spring into action and try to fix it, maybe you're the cornerstone. There are times in our life, especially when we feel all the pressure and the stress coming down on us, that we've got to stop and say, okay, Jesus, this isn't about me. It's all about you. You're the cornerstone of my life. You're the cornerstone of my family. You're the cornerstone of my finances. And if that's not the truth, at some point, it's all going to fall apart. You have to realize that you're not the cornerstone. Mike Foster, who is a a psychologist, he put it like this. When we surrender, we put ourselves in a position for something new to happen. Releasing control is the most powerful thing that we can do. It can also be the hardest, right? When you feel like you've got to be the one to keep everything together, it can be the hardest thing to do. But the idea of the cornerstone, it was that first stone that was laid at the corner of a building that if you pull that one stone out, kind of like Jenga, everything else collapses around it. And you feel so much stress and you feel so much pressure right now because you put yourself in that spot. You're the Jenga piece where if you take it out, the Jenga tower is going down. But you weren't meant for it. You were never supposed to be that stone. Verse 12 says this, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. I have to remind myself over and over again, stop trying to save yourself. <laughs> I do. I, I, I like to be the one with the life preserver. I like to be the one that jumps in to help. I'm the action person, right? Every problem can be solved by more action. But then eventually I get to the point where I'm so stressed out and no one knows about it and I just collapse. You, is anyone with me on that? Do you feel that? It's because you're the cornerstone. And when you pull yourself out, everything else does go down. You were never supposed to be that. Verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. So they're they're looking at the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin. They're looking at these people. And they're realizing that these guys aren't special. They're unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished. They took note that these men have been with Jesus. Here's another way to say it is the Sadducees are looking at Peter and John and they're like, they're dumb, but they're brave. (laughs) They're not very smart, but man, are they brave. But how did these people do this? They're not smart enough to pull this off. Oh, oh, we get it. It's because they've been with Jesus. Man, if anyone could say anything about my life, that's what I would want it to be is that I may not be the smartest guy, but I want people to look at my life and look at the mark of Cody's been with Jesus. And people only see that in me when I make him the cornerstone of my life, when, he, when, I, when everything rests on him. Bianca Altoff is a, a speaker. She said this, it's better to be marked by God than marketed by man. 
We can get all the claps and the applause. You might be doing great in your job. You may have people who cheer you on. But the most important thing in your life is that you're marked by God. That people say, that person spent time with Jesus. It's what the Sadducees saw in Peter and John. Every time you offload, you're saying this, God, I trust you more than I trust myself. I got to tell you, this is pretty hard for me sometimes, <laughs> especially if you're an action person or if you're a fixer. If you're a fixer, it's hard for you not to fix. <laughs> it's hard for you not to immediately jump in. But when you just stop and say, okay, God, this is about you, not about me. You're responsible. You're the cornerstone. You're simply saying this, God, I put more trust in you than I put in myself. So when we look at our church, we're talking about church 2020. What does the church look like today? I don't want our church to have the applause or the notoriety. I want people to simply look at our church and say that church is marked by Jesus. Those people have spent time with God. Because when he's the cornerstone of our church, our foundation is stronger than it could ever be otherwise. So here's what happens. Verse 14. But since they could see the men who had been healed, the Sadducees saw the people healed, standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin, the, the judges, and then they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a, noble sign, a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. So they get together, and they say, okay, you guys leave the room. Peter and John, get out of here. We got to talk about this a little bit. So they get in a holy huddle, and they get together, and they're like, what are we going to do? Because these people obviously got healed, and we can't deny that. They're here. They're healed. They're good. What do we do? And they say, well, I guess we just get rid of them and tell them not to do that anymore. <laughs> hey, stop. Okay, good deal. Okay, everyone, one, two, three, Sadducees, right? And they bring Peter and John back in. They're like, hey, stop doing that. Here's what happens. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. And they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. See, right here, this was one of the moments where this could have been the end. This could have been the end of the church. They could have said, hey, you guys stop. And then Peter and John could have said, okay, you know what? We don't want all this trouble. We don't want to lose our lives. We're done. We're, we're, this is over. We're going to stop. That could have been it. But then Peter and John respond and they say, but you need to know, we can't help but to tell people about what has happened. We can't help but to tell people about this guy named Jesus because he's changed our lives and he's going to change other people's lives too. In fact, the reason that we can celebrate a one-year anniversary is because Peter and John said, we can't stop. And so here we are, 2,000 years later as the church, and we're saying the same thing. We can't stop because of the Holy Spirit and what Jesus has done in our lives. In Matthew 16, 18, he told Peter, I tell you, Peter, you're the rock, and 
on this rock I'll build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And in verse 19 he said, but Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judge. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and about what we have heard. Here's the bottom line. You have to tell people about what Jesus is doing in your life. Because if these people wouldn't have done it, there would be no church today. And so we have the mantle. 2,000 years later, we are the church, the big C church, the church, the, the universal church altogether. We now have the mantle to pass it on to the next generation, to tell people about Jesus, to make him the cornerstone of our lives, for people to ask us, why are you different? It's because Jesus is the sinner, not me. It's because the reason we're in here today is because you've made Jesus first. And the reason that you can make it tomorrow is because Jesus is the Lord of your life. He's the cornerstone. He's everything. Here's the last verse, 21. After further threats, they let him go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. You have this guy who comes on the scene named Jesus. He dies on a cross. He, he's there, he goes, he's there, he goes. The Holy Spirit comes down in fire. The Sanhedrin hate it. The Jewish leaders hate it. They want to get rid of it. They try to get rid of Peter and John. They say, okay, you stop. This goes no further. Peter and John said, I can't help. We can't help but to tell people about Jesus. He's changed our lives. I'm different because of this guy. You're different because of this guy. They tried to kill it, and they couldn't. I know this about myself, that I'm not exactly where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. And the difference between where, I, where I'm going and where I've been is Jesus. He's changed my life. And I think a lot of you in here can say the exact same thing untrained, ordinary, unschooled men were marked by Jesus and have forever changed the church. And so as stewards of the modern day church, we have the exact same message that we make Jesus the cornerstone of our church. We make him the cornerstone of our life, our family, our finances, our work. And because of that, people see it and are changed. We have conversations with people about Jesus and they're changed because of what happened 2,000 years ago. So here's how I just want to close up is this. Is if you're in a place where you said, you know what, I've, I've been taking on all the burdens. I've been taking on all the stress. I'm definitely the cornerstone of everything that I do, my life, my family, my finances. I'm the one. The buck stops here. If you've been doing that, then would you just pray right now? Can we just, can we just pray that, that God would, his spirit would come on this place and that you would make him the cornerstone of your life? We know that if you keep doing that, things are gonna fall apart. And here's the thing about God is he's gonna get through to you one way or the other. Either it's going to be now or it's going to be through something disastrous that happens when everything falls apart in your life and you have to cry back out to him. But he's the cornerstone. 
He's it. He was it then, he's it now. He's the whole reason we have our church. Here's the last thing I want to do. If, if there's anyone in here who you, you've, you've never done or said that before, who, who you've never made Jesus the cornerstone of your life, that's a new thing to you. You may be new to this whole God, church, Jesus thing, but you know that you can't do it by yourself. I'm just going to say a prayer real quick. You can repeat it just in your chair. And after I say the prayer, if you would just raise your hand, we just want to give you a resource that will help you out in your journey. So, God, we thank you for today. God, would you be the cornerstone of my life? I know that I can't do it by myself anymore. Jesus, would you come in and change my heart? And Jesus, would you help me to live for you? If that's you, would you just, uh, we just want to connect with you. Would you just slip your hand up in the air and you can put it back down? If that's you in the room. God, we are grateful for your mercy. God, we need it every day. God, we need your grace. We can't do it by ourselves. Jesus, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you that you sent it down. Thank you that it still exists, that the temple has been torn open, and you've made a new temple, that the Holy Spirit resides inside of us. Help us to make you the cornerstone of our lives. God, in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for enjoying the message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at journeynorthcounty.org. Thank you once again for being part of our family, and we'll see you next time.